Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Grillin' JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. Jim, how are you, man? I'm good, Conrad. Thanks. Are you okay? Man, better than I deserve. Greatly appreciate you hosting me this past week. We had a blast, and uh, I can say now that I've been to Oklahoma, and I not only got to go to Oklahoma, I got to go to Norman, and you took me to a couple of the finest dining establishments I know. Us fat guys got to stick together, and man, you know how to look out for a brother. Damn right, man. Damn right. Uh, uh, we're booties in a lot of ways. And, uh, so yeah, it's fun. I enjoyed having you here. Oh, Conrad spent the night in my, in Jan's, uh, Pittsburgh Steeler room. So that was kind of cool. And I enjoyed your company. It's it's fun. A little brainstorming, got some big plans for, uh, grilling JR and ad free shows and all this stuff. So we we're, uh, we're game planning folks. We're doing, we're going to try to do more good things for you. And I bring you more, even more content. So it's a good time to join up for, with ad free shows. If you haven't already. Absolutely. I know you uh, really enjoy the, uh, the sort of ride along concept that we do called on the road again with you and Tony Schiavone and all the fun graphics that Chris McDonald drops in there really adds to the presentation. And we've got more fun stuff like that coming your way over at adfreeshows.com. But today we're doing something that, well. I'm going to enjoy, but I don't know that you will necessarily. It's the October 10th, 2005 raw is war. We're going to watch it together. Watch along style. It's a big Monday night raw, but it's not exactly a good night for good old JR. <laughs> no, it wasn't one of my better, better nights, but you know, uh, here's the deal. I've always felt this way, uh, that, you know, I, I, my dad told me a long time ago that, you know, when you work for a man. You, you earn your keep, you do what he's paying you to do, whether you like your gig or not, if you don't like the gig, like and the greatest illustration, when I was like 12 years old. Uh, he got, my dad got me a, a, a job on this hay crew, a hay crew for some that don't know we're hauling hay bales of hay to feed cattle. And these bales weighed about 60 pounds a piece or if they're a little damp, they might weigh 70. So I was uh, on this hay crew hauling hay. So you. You walk in the field, you pick up the hay bales, you, you lift it up, put it on the flat bed of the truck or the, yeah, the truck. And, uh, with a, everybody was a man, but me. And so I remember the guy says to me, uh, where are your gloves? And I said, well, my dad said, I need to toughen my hands up. Cause I was, you know, getting ready to play junior high football. That's a big deal. <laughs> so I didn't, my dad would not let me wear gloves. So those goddamn strings. Uh, the, the twine would uh, just rip your hands up, yeah. callous them up, bleed. The guy says, Where, where's your gloves? And I said, well, dad didn't want me to wear any. He said, well, that sounds like old JD. All right. So, uh, but my, the deal was in respect, in regards to this show, it wasn't a good night for JR character. And I always felt <clears throat> I didn't have a problem doing what Vince wanted, uh, by and large, cause I'd always did it. So if I had a problem with it, then I would have figured a way to not do it. That never happened ever one time in all those little in-ring skits. Uh, the good news was, was that my minute by minute ratings were always excellent. So, <laughs> sometimes they were better than some of the boys working, uh, cause people had an interest. They had an emotional investment in JR and the trials and tribulations of poor old JR getting run through the ringer again. But I always felt like that it was at times, it seemed like it was personal. It was more than just creative. Right. 
but in the old, in the wrestler language, you know, wrestlers have this, this, the thing and so do promoters where it's essentially ribbing on the square. They can treat you like shit creatively and just say, well, Hey, it's just, it's just, this for the show. It's just, it's for the, you know, it's just, it's just part of the process and presentation. And I always felt like that was the wrong motivation. And so this was one of those nights where I felt like it was very personal and, uh, he wanted to send a message to me for whatever reason. Right. And, and, uh, and he did, and I executed it. The coach called the plays. I ran them. And, uh, so if somebody's listening, someone say, God damn, I wouldn't have done it. Oh yeah, you would. If you're making the money that I was making and you're providing for your family and your, and your college age daughters and all that stuff. Sure. You would have push came to shove. It just made common sense. Right. Did I like it? No. And this show is one of those shows where it was very, uh, it was very, you know, uh, controversial in that respect. It did get a big rating and, you know, and then eventually as, as we will talk about folks can tune in and see if you're not already <clears throat> set and loaded and ready to go, uh, you know, me, uh, good old JR get kicked in the nuts by, uh, a member of the president Trump's cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, look, it wasn't the end of the world. We're, you and I are talking. I'm happy. I'm blessed. So were you. It was, a, it was a, it was a pro wrestling skit. I just felt like the motivation of it was beyond, uh, just for the sake of the show. Uh, so anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that deal. So it's, it should be a, an interesting show. And, uh, I think that I think, did this show happen to Corpus Christi or somewhere? Was this Corpus Christi Conrad? Yeah, you're exactly right. The American bank center, Corpus Christi, Texas. There's only about 3,500 fans there to watch the spectacle that we're going to see today. But I am glad to hear that you remember that your ratings were always good on a minute by minute breakdown. You were like the original demo God. I really was. I should tell Jericho that (laughs) he he just celebrated his 30th year in the business. I'm going to ask Tony Constant. When the fuck are you going to celebrate my uh, 47th year in the business? <laughs> Have I got to work there three more years to get a day, a JR day of JR's 50th? Well, be careful what you wish for. Whenever there was a <laughs> JR day on, uh, on WWE, usually wound up with your head being busted open by a cinder block or kicked in the nuts or pulling your own head out of your own ass or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. That wasn't personal. No, that was just entertainment. Yeah. Entertainment. My ass literally. So, uh, but it it was fun, but that was an interesting time, uh, interesting time in my career, interesting time in the wrestling business, a lot of, uh, movement, a lot of things are going on. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to talk about those deals because, you know, as you get older and you get involved in other things like AEW just celebrated a few weeks ago, their one year anniversary, our one year anniversary, uh, you know, you, you, you forget. You get, you get immersed in other things like now the current. And uh, so when we talk, we do these, uh, watch alongs, I remember stuff, minute details that just popped back in my head that I would not have ever, uh, thought of unless I was watching them or you and I were talking about them. Well, let's get into it, man. If you haven't already fire up your WWE network, go to October 10th, 2005. If it's an episode of raw, if you're watching on your computer, like I am, you'll just click the raw tab at the top. You hit the little drop down list where it says most recent select 2005. 
and then scroll down until you see October 10th. It's October 10th, 2005. The show's only an hour, 36 minutes and nine seconds. This is the glory days of raw where it's a two hour show. Thank goodness. Uh, What we want to encourage you to do is go ahead and pause your video on on all zeros and then mute it in the bottom left-hand corner. And Jr. and I will try to entertain you and keep you laughing. And we'll watch this one hour and 36 minutes together. Jim, are you ready? I think I'm ready, Conrad. I think I'm ready for this. It's like therapy. Now I'm going to Dr. Melfi, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm brooding Tony Soprano sitting in a chair looking at her boobs. So yeah, I'm ready to go. Uh, it should be fun. Let's do a little countdown here. We'll do three, two, one. And when I say play, we'll play. Here we go. And three, two, one play. We I love that old signature open. That's when I was still in the open. That's when my voice actually existed. So we're seeing a little recap of what happened the prior week. Let's just track this. The recap. We can have all the fun we want to have. I mean, it's reminiscent of the old days. No doubt about that. Matter of fact, I remember one particular day that Vince McMahon beat the holy hell out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, my God. Look like you're having a little fun at Stone Cold's expense, wasn't you? <laughs> I'm kind of glad you did. Steve, I think you owe the McMahon family an apology. I think we ought to give these folks something to really remember. Mr. McMahon, Stone Cold just stunned your entire family. What are your thoughts? Somebody's going to get fired over this. Uh-oh. <laughs> we know who that is. We're going to get fired over this. I'm gargling Drano again. God damn it. Oh, my God. You chiming in with the perfectly timed. Uh-oh. Man, this was such fun, silly stuff. The idea that Linda McMahon took a stunner was she a good sport yeah she was she was reluctant that night to to do the business but she like everybody else didn't want to cross the boss and and that's what he wanted and and god damn it that's what i uh, yeah so yeah it's uh she was a great sport nice uh nice person how about stephanie mcmahon here with the new look got the blonde hair yeah yeah and she'd had her some enhancements done apparently Looked very, very sexy and very, uh, very good. She look, Stephanie worked hard to her. I think it took after the old man, as far as training and dieting and, uh, in the, in that era, she was very, cons- very aware of her appearance as a television performer. I always believe she was one of the best heels that we had in the yeah. attitude era. 
and because she took so much after her dad, because I've always said that Vince, even though we philosophically didn't get along all the time, as everybody knows, the big deal, uh, he was the best heel we had in the attitude era because he was the perfect foil for our, for our top baby face. And she's going to start to show off a little promo here. And, uh, with that, uh, evil look in her face, but she looked very great. She looked really good here. Yeah. I think this is maybe the best she ever looked, but I definitely agree that she was one of the best heel characters. I mean, there, even during the, uh, the more recent authority era, she was the best villain on TV, just like her dad was, you know, the prior generation. Yeah. She did good, good, good promos as she's doing here now. We should mention this is the second show back on the USA network. So the prior week was the three hour extravaganza, the kickoff, as we move back from spike over to the USA network. And, uh, we brought out all the, all the big stars, stone cold, Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, but the whole family took a big stunner. And here we are. We should mention that spike TV didn't exactly take too kindly to the company leaving and going back to USA. They were fighting to keep you. And we've documented that here on the show, but what they're doing now is they're competing with the UFC. Of course, famously WWE used to be a lead in for UFC and help get that show up and going, but now they're running it head to head. And eventually they're even going to sign TNA and bring them over to spike. So for whatever reason, spike has a, a burr under their saddle about WWE and USA wants to come out swinging. And unfortunately they start with the McMahons and then today it's your turn. Yeah. Yeah. My turn came up. Well, you know, you, the uh, spike just need to spend more money. They, they could, they could have kept, uh, Monday night raw. They could have kept a perfect lead in for USC. They didn't want to spend the cash enough cash. They spent a lot of cash, but they didn't want to spend enough cash. So anyhow, it was, uh, it was a back the U S going back to USA, NBC universal, et cetera, et cetera, was a much better deal, uh, for WWE, in my opinion, than staying on spike cause spike could not resurrect TNA. TNA had a nice run, but they never got over the hump. So if you don't get over the hump, you fail. And that's kind of what happened there. So spike, uh, USA is just a much better partner. They still are today. than I think spike would have been. It's worth mentioning, by the way, that this whole spike UFC WWE thing, there's more to it than just, Hey, we're going to be counter-programmed because there's a ton of rumors that Mike Goldberg of the UFC met with Vince and has even offered your position for, I believe it was reported to be around $350,000 a year, which would have been quite the bump for him for what he was making on the UFC. And, uh, there's even a report that Vince asked him to do a no show for a UFC live special and debut on raw in your spot, which I believe you've indicated thanks to some advice from an old pal, Mark Ratner, who used to run the Nevada state athletic commission, that that was a no win position for Mike Goldberg, that whoever sat in your seat was not going to resonate with fans. And he would be one of the more hated people in wrestling if he did it. And he ultimately decided not to do it. That's the rumor and innuendo out there. Do I have that? pretty close to accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate. You know, uh, I never talked to Goldberg, but they thought that they could buy Goldberg and he would walk away from, uh, you know, uh, USC and there's Stephanie. She's already slapped Mark eight and the timekeeper. Now she just slapped Lillian. 
So, uh, she's being a great heel, a great heel. Stephanie is, and should be commended for her work and kicking the show off with a, with a tense moment, you know, uh, the edge that the, set the stage for the show. She did a nice job. Goldberg was going to be, I think the next week or two, two weeks from here, we we're going to do a two hour or a special on USA or something like that. I can't recall all the details, but, uh, that's, uh, I got a call from Kevin Dunn sitting in my, I remember sitting in my backyard cause it was kind of, it was football season. I'm just hanging out. And, uh, you know, he asked if I'd come to Dallas said, for what you guys fired me two weeks ago. Well, we want you to work. We need you. We need you in Dallas. Okay. So now she's, she's looking, she's hovering over the announcers, foreshadowing what is to come. There's a coach, the King, and of course your friend, Jr. Now she's getting on the announce table. Let's, uh, let's track this, whatever she's going to say here. So I bet all of you think I'm a bitch, huh? Well, you're right. The bitch is back. How was coach as a broadcast partner? We know the affection and love you have for Jerry Lawler. Of course, he just had his big 50th anniversary party a couple weeks ago, but what about coach? How was he as a broadcast partner for you? Coach did a nice job. He was, uh, you know, he, he was mixed mixing roles. Was he a color analyst? Uh, was he a play by play guy, whatever. So, uh, but he coached did a good job. You know, he was easy to work with, quite frankly, he was learning as he went. So, uh, but yeah, coach, t- coach did, did fine. He really did. Uh, you know, he, he didn't do as well. Because he hadn't had any practice or any experience as the Doink the Clown comes to the ring, he didn't uh, understanding the heel uh, nuances of his role is daunting. It's not easy. You just don't walk off the walk from the back and come sit down, and you're good at it. So, uh, in any event, well, there's a there's a group of talent, huh? Oh my gosh! All the Hall of Famers in the ring, Harley Race. Dr. Death, Ted DiBiase, Dusty Rhodes, Jimmy Hart, Arn Anderson, on and on. And it looks like uh, Rob Conway has got something to say, and he's going to catch some heat, including a super fly splash and a Dusty Rhodes elbow and a little, uh, five up against the cheek there from Harley race. And now we've got doink the clown. Of course, this is not Matt Bourne. This is Steve Lombardi in the doink outfit. But our man, Rob Conway is going to be, uh, taking him to the woodshed today to well, for a little comeuppance from last week, I suppose. Conway was very underrated, uh, uh, Conrad. Uh, what if his name was Conrad Conway? Never mind. That'd be something. Yeah. Or Rob Conway Twitty. Uh, good, good hand. Very underrated. I think Rob's uh, association with the, uh, polarizing Jim Cornette. God damn it. He could work. Was, uh, held, held him back a little bit because he looked great. Yeah, he did. He's a re- really a good hand. Nice guy. Uh, what you, he's the kind of guy you want in your locker room, Rob Conway. But, uh, I don't know why he just didn't quite get over the hump. I think the cornet factor could have had something to do with it. I'm not real sure, but it could have, it certainly was the fact that he couldn't work. Yeah. I mean, he has the right look and, and his work was always, you know, more than passable. It just feels like the creative was never really there for him. Yeah. The commitment to Conway was not there creatively and, but, uh, and of course there's the, 
ever present, uh, Steve Lombardi, Brooklyn brawler, Abe knuckleball shorts and uh, various other aliases. Another guy that was very underrated, very loyal to the company. I follow brawler on, on Twitter. I love He's that a, Conway still got his sunglasses on as the yeah, match right. starts here. He's doing his very best buff Bagwell impression with that look. Yeah. He's the, uh, he didn't want to lose those damn glasses, man. That's, this is the more of the sports entertainment uh, aspect than pro wrestling. And then another little sunset flip there by uh, doing trying to get a little offense in, in the beginning, which I suspect, cause I have not watched the show back since it, since we did it. I did not preview the show today. Well, so, uh, I'm just stepping out there. I don't think that doink as being portrayed by Steve Lombardi here is going over. I'm just guessing. I think you're probably accurate. Hey, let's mention, uh, some other news and notes from the era. The WWE is going to bury the ultimate warrior in a segment on their audio show bite this on WWE.com by having a guy dressed up as him and going to read a letter that warrior wrote Vince. And then he even cuts a promo and refers to Darren Drozdoff as a quote unquote cripple mm. and draws responded to this and says, I'd rather be physically handicapped than mentally handicapped. Like the warrior, I, this is a weird time for the company yeah. where it feels like they're really, <clears throat> I don't know, stretching to be controversial for the sake of controversial. I don't understand why Vince or, or whoever in the company like to poke the bear, so to speak with the ultimate warrior. That's just Vince's personality. That's his personality. You got to rise out of the writers. The writers are, Ooh, oh, can we do that? You know, down right. We can, ah, of course we can. It's, it's his, it's Vince's world. And you're going to pass through his world. You're going to, you're going to pass through uh, under his, his terms and conditions. So, uh, the, the, I think you're right though. On the point that, you know, the, they want the WWF WWE, uh, wanted to be edgy. And at, at, at any cost. And we did things that drew attention to other issues. Just like, it's like the, uh, fake razor diesel thing. All that did was draw attention back to WCW. And I never understood the concept of that deal other than just being Vince being edgy. Cause he could nice neck breaker by Rob Conway. Really nicely done. And that'll be all she wrote for the lovable doink. So Conway looked good. He didn't make any mistakes. He must've got a little busted open there somewhere along the way. Get a little bandaid on between his eyes. I never big, I never been a big fan of wrestlers wrestling with, uh, with, uh, earrings. No, he's got, two, he's got two of them. I don't get it. That would never have happened in the cowboy era kids. Cause if you go into a real fight, wearing earrings, somebody's going to pull them out. If you, could, yeah. if you could help it. Probably not. Let's, uh, let's talk about another piece of business here that is happening in the wrestling world. Although not under the WWE banner, Brock's going to win the IWGP title just a few weeks after beating the WWE in court, the finish would see Brock pin Chono after the verdict, which is really an F five, but you can't call it the F five. Were you surprised to see Brock show up in Japan? No, heck no. Cause there was big money there. And Conway beating up Doink brings in Eugene. Eugene was named after a, a young, uh, uh, mentally handicapped kid that, that lived in Pittsburgh. That was, a a friend of, uh, uh, the, the company. His dad was a friend of the company 
and Eugene was always there. Eugene had the hots from Moolah. You can believe that. Uh, but Eugene uh, was, that's who Matt, that's who Nick, uh, uh, was named after named for. So Conway now has left Eugene, the poor little handicapped guy, mentally handicapped kid and, and the brawler, AKA doink laying. So Conway got a nice little yeah. presentation here. He got a, he got an interview. He got, he left two guys laying and he looked good doing it. What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Yeah, we're getting him over here as a bully, and uh, the Rock is doing. Or I'm sorry, the coach is doing his best Rock impression, adjusting that shirt. But really, in in, in actuality, Lawler might actually be wearing one of Rock's old shirts, right? He he was. That was one of Rock's shirts. He left in the uh, Rock had an anvil case, wardrobe case that just traveled with the company. So if Rock was there, he had some wardrobe to wear, uh, and. Uh, there's Lawler with a rock shirt on Jr. with the always ever present black, because you never know when you get a PP and then coach, uh, he's all, he's all cooled out. Check out this package. They're going to show here. Triple H turning on Ric Flair and you described it as a brutal attack. Yeah. They, they had good chemistry. Triple H is a great heel too. Oh yeah. Great heel. He was, he, he felt it. He lived it, you know, he, he really was an extension of his own personality or what he perceived the personality to be did a good job. I never had too many issues with him when he became an administrator. You know, we, we didn't have, we didn't have a lot of successful negotiations. Uh, but I, I was kind of always disappointed in that a little bit because I was, I always went to bat for him <clears throat> and, uh, got in the contract that he wanted and that was important to him to have the same million dollar downside guarantee that all the other guys had. Wait, are you saying that when those roles reversed and then he was sort of, uh, moving up the food chain, he, he wasn't willing to reciprocate for you. Well, I'm just saying that I think, uh, he just took Vince's lead, right? JR just an announcer. And then they found out over the years that to the audience, they're flared with a crimson mask. Uh-uh. The nature boy is uh, bleeding uh, profusely. Your thief Fort Homer yesterday armory. Uh, he's yeah, been he's, lacerated. Yeah. Deeply. Oh, uh, 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 that's a, that sledgehammer is a pretty good a prop and Nate's loved to get the juice. So yeah, it worked. Triple H made us, uh, close the deal by abusing the legendary Ric Flair 
with a weapon. They're going to have an incredible series here, uh, of matches in uh, the fall of 05. And now we see Carlitos Cabana, you know, we tried a lot of these different sort of Roddy Piper's Piper's pit type segments over the years. Mm-hmm. And I always thought Carlito did a, a more than passable job, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel like it clicked, but I guess you could say that about his entire run. Yeah. Uh, Carlito had, had, had great skills. There was absolutely nothing wrong with Carlito's game, but the perception was whether it was right or wrong. The perception was by, by the higher ups, including the old man is that Carlito never really fully committed that he was, he, he just didn't have the, the drive to put himself over the top. And which was frustrating for some, because, uh, we all knew how talented, uh, the kid was, you know, uh, uh, Carlos Colon was a great star in Puerto Rico and had a lot of legendary feuds and matches with guys like Brody and so forth the promoter and the booker in Puerto Rico when the territory was doing real well, you know, gorilla monsoon at one time was a partner in the Puerto Rican promotion and, and made money, made good money from that deal. So anyway, Carlito was a guy that we always thought that he had a lot more potential than he did than he delivered because some nights you'd see Carlito have a match Conrad, and he was just absolutely off the page. Yeah. Really, really good. And then some nights, uh, he, he wasn't as good on other nights. I guess that could be said for anybody, but I think, uh, he wrestles sometimes to the level of his opponent. Instead of making the opponents come up to his level as a main event guy, he, he wrestled to the level of the, of the opponent who may not have been a main eventer. Now, Kurt Angle's coming to the ring now and Kurt Angle certainly was a main eventer. No doubt as Kurt's picking up the mic here, Kurt has some really entertaining promos without question. Let's track this one. Cause there's, this is going to be some good stuff in here. I bet. No one saw a winner. What the hell match were you watching? Everyone saw me kick the living hell out of Shawn Michaels. Man, I got to tell you, I, I rewatched their match from WrestleMania earlier this year, and I hadn't seen it since it happened. Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle had incredible chemistry together. Did they not? Absolutely. Absolutely. Both very athletic and, and Kurt was smart enough to listen to Shawn's uh, instincts that Sean lead the match because there wasn't anything physically athletically that Kurt angle couldn't do. And as time went on, he became a great in-ring psychologist. Now Sean's going to get his two cents in. Did you say clear? Did you say you made it clear? Because to me, nothing could be more unclear last week. After we tied, I gave you an opportunity for sudden death. And you walked. That's a fact. Now, that tells me one of two things. Either you don't want to be the WWE champion, or you don't want any more of HBK. Clearly. You think I'm scared of you? 
I'm not scared of anybody. And Shawn Michaels, you should be scared of losing your damn job. Because Vince McMahon knows that I carry this company. I am Raw's meal ticket. The last time I was WWE Champion, when Raw was on USA Network, the WCW went out of business. I love this feud. I think the 05 is probably an underrated year for the company. You got Triple H working with Ric Flair. You got Kurt Angle working with Shawn Michaels. You guys have a lot of great talent here. Yeah, it was a, it was a good roster. <clears throat> Pardon me. A good roster, no, no doubt. And these guys had such great chemistry. And how about but now wait, the next wait big more? <laughs> Here comes a jolly giant. Yeah. When he comes out grinning and waving, it feels very, uh, old school. Andre. That was always the idea. The thing I don't think that we did uh, a service to, to big show, uh, because I thought we overexposed him. He's an attraction guy. He's not an everyday player like Sean or Kurt. He's an attraction guy, a guy you see, uh, sporadically on special occasions. And that way you kept him special. So, uh, but we, we didn't do that. He, he was on TV every week and now he's talking. We, uh, we should mention that this is also the area where you guys are starting to promote the WWE on demand, 24, seven service, which you could have gotten through a local cable provider. Here in Huntsville, Comcast had it, and I was a direct TV guy, but I liked the idea of the service so well that I picked it up and, uh, I had direct TV and Comcast, at least in, in a couple of rooms. So I could watch the 24 seven service. And I don't know why, but I think looking back, I look at it with rose colored glasses. Maybe it's because you guys created shows like legends of the round table and things like that. And. I just really enjoyed that service. I, and I think I used it more than I even use the WWE network now, just because it felt like they gave you a nice little appetizer every week of, Hey, here's some new stuff to watch, but you know, Hey, I better watch it this week. Cause it'll be gone next week. And right. that sort of created a sense of urgency to watch this new stuff before it went away, seemingly for good. And, uh, I found myself watching stuff. I might not normally watch. I was a big fan of the on-demand service. And of course we know the evolution became the network. Did you ever imagine that it would be an OTT thing like this? Or did you sort of assume it would be like a cable network? Like a lot of other folks did. We thought we were always, uh, uh, Vince and I discussed it. Well, I'm sure he discussed with many people, uh, to have a network. You know, we thought that, well, hell, they can have a weather channel. And just have a network completely consumed with weather. Why the hell couldn't we do one with the, with WWE content over all, all these years at all these hours of product as edge and uh, Lita have now made their way to the ring, which is, this is all about the WWE title. So it's an interesting array of talent there. What did Lita look hot or what? Yeah. Lita's got a great look here. Obviously I think this is the year that edge really turned the volume up as a singles performer. Um, and he's carrying that money in the bank briefcase. So if anybody's going to state their claim to a world title shot, it's him. And then you see Carlito in the back, just enjoying an apple and watching the show. I enjoyed this uh, area a lot too, because a lot of my signees, our signees more better said, uh, were starting to come to their own edge is another one. Lita, uh, hard Lita, hard edge. 
along with Christian, $205 a week. Uh, yep. Two four two Oh five. I have no idea how we got that number. Uh, I hired big show. Jerry Briscoe and I recruited him out of his big home and in, in Tampa. Of course, I had many meetings with Sean to convince him that he was not done. That he could come back and add a lot to the locker room because I thought he could, he could, and he did, and he has. So this is a, this shot here of Kirk and, uh, Carly, all these guys came under my, my, my tenure as head of talent relations. So it was just a real rewarding for me. I've always thought that I may be when I'm dead and gone, I'll, I'll probably be best known for my announcing work, Conrad, but quite frankly, I'm, I'm as proud as uh, of who we hired and who we brought in, who we provide opportunities for, who we gave a Jersey to as anything I've done in wrestling. Check this out. We're not done. The new son is on his way to the ring. John Cena. Here he comes. You see the crowd goes wild here. This is before. The crazy booze were so prominent for John Cena. He's still doing his, a little bit of his rap character. Got the throwback Jersey on, got the spinning world title. I wasn't crazy about the spinning world title. I wasn't crazy about the, uh, uh, broken skull title. I like the title being a title. The Stanley cup is the fucking Stanley cup. Don't screw with it. It became a prop and I thought it should not be a prop. I thought it should be a, 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 a trophy. So, uh, you know, so John, John's another one of my guys. So let's, let's track a little bit of his rap here. Was your little too friendly wearing chaps, chains and leather and gold medal or not Kurt angles going south. Forget your mouthpiece. I put my piece in your mouth. Show's a giant. He's enormous. I can think of a million adjectives, but it's just another case of big things with small packages. (laughs) And Carlito, you ain't cool. You some chia pet putts. And instead of spitting out apples, you should be choking on these nuts. Well, some of this does not age well. How many dick jokes are we going to make in this segment? Yeah, really? <laughs> well, we did move to testicles. <laughs> so we didn't leave out the whole package. Some of everybody got a little love, so to speak. Vince loves that though. Does he not? He loves dick jokes and, and poop jokes. Yeah. And yeah. Bathroom humor. Yeah. Right down his alley. When the writers knew that when they wanted to make Vince happy, they came up with this type of humor. Now he's picking on the poor Lita. She looked great though. I'm telling you, I said that twice now. So now we proceed as pervy and lecherous, but she, she fit her role amazingly well. The red hair, she's in great shape. I told you the story when she came to my office to interview for a job that she had a nice business suit on. She looked like a secretary or a lawyer or something. And, uh, she was covering up that tattoo on her right shoulder. I said, man, I don't have a problem with your tattoos. Right. That was a new thing. Pardon me. That was a kind of a trend. The trend was starting at that point in time 
on, on art, uh, body art. So now everybody's got it. Everybody's got wet hair. Everybody's got tattoos and everybody looks essentially the same. All of these characters right now that we're talking, we're, we're talking about Conrad look different. They all got their own look. Right. So Cena comes out, gets the last word, good positioning. Understand how that works. Folks, the champion got the last word as he should. And so all these potential contenders, edge, big show, Carlito, Sean Michaels, Kurt angle, all these cats, uh, you know, they're all in line. So now the champion had several established or semi-established, uh, uh, challengers. And then there's another one of my signees, Trish Stratus. Now, how good does she look? Uh, like a superstar. Let's track it. Like going to get Victoria just a little bit later on tonight. Oh my gosh. Look at that. I can't wait. It's hard to believe Ashley's no longer with us. We saw a little cameo from Ashley Mazzaro and, oh, there's another Christy Hemi talking to our old pal, Eric Bischoff from 83 weeks. And they're, uh, talking about maybe setting up a bit of a match and here it is. Sean Michaels, Cena and big show taking on Carlito, Kurt angle and edge six man tag match here a little later. So we got a big payoff from that segment. And I think what's next is, uh, we're going to have a little appearance by Tajiri and your old pal, Chris masters. So see the nice open here for Chris masters, the masterpiece, golly, what a look right there. This had yep. to be up Vince's alley, right? Oh yeah. He loved his eight by tens. No doubt about it. <clears throat> and he's another guy that we had high hopes for <clears throat> just didn't work out. It felt like he got a raw deal to me. You know, uh, you guys allegedly had some wellness stuff that you had to circle the wagons on and oh, to Jerry's going to do a little sneak attack there, getting the jump on him. So masters comes in with a big push and a big presentation and has got a little bit of a streak going for himself. And then once he loses, it feels like uh, as Arn Anderson would say, Sean or Hunter helped cut his water off. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they buried him on TV where they even made fun of him losing size. And I don't know. It just felt weird and, and I don't know, not fair. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That was, a, they had a lot of power. You know, they had Vince's ear. They were joined at the hip of the old man and they par parlayed that, uh, to, you know, amazing, uh, <laughs> amazing might not be a great word, but to significant heights. The masters was, was, had, had a great look. He, he was, he's pretty fundamentally sound actually, you know, he, he did he, what he did. He did well. Right. And of course, as you uh, alluded to moments ago, he had that great look that Vince always, uh, embraced. Hey, I always thought that Tajiri was one of our most underrated guys. Oh yeah. If this son of a bitch had been six, two or three, uh, and he would have been, he would have been a major, major star without question because he had great psychology. His facial expressions were nobody did them better than, than to Jerry. And he was unique. He had a unique skill set, did some things other guys didn't do, but, uh, he was just, he didn't get in a big hurry. You know, and, and some guys look at that now as well, he's lazy. No, he's not. He's just smart. He, he wanted to control the tempo and the cadence of the game. What's the old Tracy Smothers story. A lot of guys tell a story about working with Tracy Smothers, you know, in the last decade or so on Indies and 
he would say something like, uh, all right, so here's what we're going to do, kid. We're going to start slow and then we'll taper off from there. <laughs> Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening, wherever you listen. What is tell good stories? Just tell good stories is what Tracy did, along with the other guys. Now, Masters has... Are you at, uh, on the master lock part of this? Absolutely. We should give everybody a heads up right now so that we can make sure they're along with us. I'm at 34, 25, 26, 27, the master's lock, a, a simple full Nelson had not really been a big finisher in the company since gosh, probably warlord and British bulldog. And that yeah, feels Pimp like Terra era. You guys yeah. like the big, strong guys. Uh, here's the thing about the full Nelson or the master lock or whatever the hell name you want to give it. Uh, you can, you can use that finish on anybody. And that's always been the magic of a, of a great finisher is being able to u- use it on anybody. So, uh, masters wins with his, uh, master lock, AKA the full Nelson. Yep. It's a submission and he, he takes his, everybody does the same thing. Everybody gets on the second turnbuckle. Watch how many TV wrestling shows wrestlers come out and they get on the second turnbuckle. And now here comes triple H. In a nice suit, lots of hair, Ricky Steamboat, Steve Kern, he walked by them. Let's track there it. He runs right into Sean. You know, nobody in that locker room has known you as long as I have. You know, and I've always known that you were capable of just about anything. But what you did last week, it's too much, Hunter. It's too much. Everybody giving the, the evil eye to Triple H is walking down the hall. Oops, big shell. Telling you right now. Someday you're gonna get yours. I like these shots where it's the long hallway shot and you pass this, you know, variety of characters. We would see it many times over the years in WWE. Is that a Kevin Dunn special or one of the producers in particular fond of that shot? Cause I, I think it's pretty cool and lends itself to some good storytelling. As you see, it terminates with John Cena here. Do you know who was such a fan of that shot, Jim? No. Uh, Vince, right. It, all that stuff was suggested by the writers. Uh, you know, Brian Gewertz was, uh, I always thought was the key writer there did the best job. 
and that's not knocking everybody else. So when everybody gets a fucking, uh, well, JR says all the writers suck. They did not suck. It's just that somebody has got to be better than the others. And in my view, as we see triple H talking to Cena, uh, I thought that, uh, that Brian Gerwitz was the most talented writer that they had there and, and that they ever had there. You notice triple H is a mutton chop, uh, goatee, uh, whatever the hell beard, whatever. That's a Harley race deal. Yeah, it is. Hunter was a big mark for Harley race. Probably still is as many of us are. And, uh, so I, I, that was, he's, he's channeling Harley a little bit there as far as being this nasty heel. Now I just, he just ran into Nick Dawes, just bumped, bumped into him. And then Nick takes a bump for him. So triple H reaffirming. He's a bully. He's an asshole. What did, uh, what did Nick Dawes do for the company? Uh, he's on the ring crew, ring crew and, and, the, and the, all the ancillary things that that would entail. Right. So now triple H has now got preset perfectly as an asshole, as a Richard, AKA Dick. <laughs> and he comes out now with his heel entrance. He's the, the stage have been set. The audience is preconditioned. They knew exactly what to do. And that was to boo the hell out of him. And that's exactly what, uh, uh, everybody wanted. That was, that was the plan. The week after this, by the way, is one of the craziest Ric Flair promos you'll ever see. Uh, you probably remember it. He had a bandage on his head, pulls it off, starts hitting himself in the head. It's covered in blood. What a spectacle it was. This feud really was, uh, was one of the last great things that that Rick got to do in the company as far as an in-ring competitor. Yeah, it was good stuff. And they, and, and of course, triple H to work with Nate's was a dream come true for him. It really was, you know, he was, a, he's been a wrestling Mark all his life. Big, big fan trained with Walter Kowalski, the killer up there in the Northeast and Massachusetts, you know, triple H grew up in New Hampshire. So he was a WWWF guy his entire life. He does feel though, see, I would just assume that too, that, you know, since he's from the Northeast, that he grew up with Bruno and Pedro and guys like that, but it feels like his greater influences were flair and Harley and guys like that. Yeah. NWA guys. Yeah. In essence to, to simplify it. Well, they look, you know, uh, they were great talents. I mean, my God, if you, if you, if you, if you, uh, if you want to be a heel, God damn it. I want to be a heel. Then you would, why wouldn't you gravitate to Ric Flair and Harley race? Right. If you didn't, you're showing your ignorance. So, uh, triple H said he, he, he did the right thing. Now he's going to do his little promo. Yeah. Listen, I, I'd rather not track that. We, we have an idea. Uh, he's going to say that he took the dog out behind the shed and put a bullet in his head. And then we're going to yell He did the old yeller promo. Which, you know, years later, Shawn Michaels would do in the retirement feud that would ultimately lead to Rick, you know, losing that retirement match at WrestleMania and that's it. Well, the main event has been made by the way on WWE unlimited. I want to mention this because we saw a brief little plug for it earlier with, uh, Eric Bischoff behind the scenes. You guys in this era were driving traffic to the website. So you would say, Hey, if you're watching live folks, don't forget when we go to commercial break, you can keep up with all the action and see stuff you won't see on the show over at WWE.com. So you would have extra segments 
during the commercial breaks, just exclusively on the website. And that's a pretty good strategy to get traffic that might not normally be there headed over to the website. And of course, while you're there, we can try to tell you about pay-per-views and hopefully sell you some live event tickets, or maybe most of all, Hey, while you're here, why don't you buy some merch, right? Yeah. I was kind of a cousin to, uh, AEW's, uh, you know, picture and picture, you know, it was just more, more value added essentially is what it was. It just was different content, very commerce oriented. I never knew, <clears throat> pardon me. I never knew how much, uh, how many people tuned into that. Uh, it seemed to me like it was a busy proposition. When I sat down to watch wrestling, I either want to, I want to have a cocktail or a beer or something and just chill and enjoy it and not go back to my, my iPad. You know, Conrad bought me an iPad pro. I'm pretty damn, I'm, I'm farting through silk right now. iPad pro nice deal folks. Yeah. Take you had, you. you had to log in uh, for the first time to the WWE network here, uh, as we did our watch along. So you're getting it set up like you like it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's good. It's a good device for an old timer like me that can, didn't have a lot of training or background in that. That's a fucking frustrating thing, folks. When you, I get angry at my devices because I get so sick and tired, click here, uh, you know, drag this there, you know, you need your password, add your email. God almighty. It's amazing how much information we share on these devices. Thinking that it's all secure and safe and nobody will ever get it. That's a joke. But nonetheless, uh, Triple H did a, it always did a nice job. He started, he really was coming into his own right here as a heel and ascending to the top of the, of the, of the roster as the top heel in the company, which I think had been his goal and, and a great goal all along. You know why, if you're going to be in the game, why don't be the best player in the game? No doubt about it. How about, uh, Triple H's watch here? I just noticed he's rocking a, uh, a gold Panerai. He's always been a watch guy. I've seen him wear a lot of cool watches over the years. And when I think of watches and Jim Ross, I think about the old phrase, how many fucking Rolexes do you really need? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Austin, Austin's a big watch guy too, Conrad. Absolutely. He, huge watch guy. Still is. I, I, I got a, I bought a Rolex a year or so ago and then I had to give me a lowdown on it. You know, he was, he was excited about me, me, uh, the second Rolex I had when you know, I had a little home, little home break in and, and, uh, lost my hall of fame ring and my Rolex, uh, had a little party and should have ill-advised. We kept that, uh, under wraps by the way. So this is the first time that anybody's hearing about that, but congratulations yeah. on your new watch since we can acknowledge <laughs> it publicly so now. Thank you very much. That's a nice, it's, it's the last watch I'll ever buy. So, uh. Yeah, he's got, that's a big watch too. He's wearing. You notice too, uh, Triple H is his his suits now. I'm sure this one was too. I think he's changed uh, haberdashers because his suits now are so uh, custom fitted. They look great. This suit looks good. Don't get me wrong, but it doesn't uh, fit him as well as his normal what he's wearing today. Well, that was the style back then you go back and you look at, you know, like NFL and NBA drafts from the era and everybody's really baggy and they got the long coats and Steve Harvey was like, to me, I'll always refer to it as a Steve Harvey suit when you got the big baggy pants and the long jacket. But yeah, that was sort of the look here. And, uh, triple H has always been good about switching his look up, whether it's his hair or his facial hair, or he 
He's yeah. always changing the presentation, but I guess that's what's required. If you're going to be on TV every week for 20 years. When he uh, told me he was going to cut his hair, I said, you gotta be kidding me. Cause I thought it was part of his signature, right? But he was willing to change, be bold enough to change his look and be comfortable with it. So that's when he cut all his hair off and subsequently back in the day, by the way, I'm a big Steve Harvey fan. I think he's probably one of those talented guys on television and he's built an empire for himself on his own skills. And I really appreciate and respect that with the family feud and this Steve Harvey show and stuff. It shows you what you can do if you persevere, because that son of a gun was on the road as a traveling comedian, not making any money for years. He never never quit his dream, which is, I think so important for all of us to learn. If you got a passionate dream that you really want to do, the only person that can quell that passion is you. And Steve Harvey didn't, he didn't slow down. He finally, he kept working until he found his niche and triple H, the uh, same, same deal. You know, he came in as that, you know, uh, John Paul Levesque gimmick and uh, that didn't work. It was plastic. It was disingenuous, but when he became the game, he became more of his own self and that worked and it still works. These, uh, these promos from triple H in this era are maybe my least favorite thing about wrestling at the time, because it felt like he would drone on and on and on. I mean, we get a 20 minute promo and don't get me wrong. He never botched. He was a smooth talker the entire time, but it just felt like he would belabor the point. And I wish the promos were a little shorter. I thought we still could have told the same story and it not spanned two fucking commercial breaks. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and not just not knocking triple H whatsoever. It's, we had a lot of long promos. Yeah. It was just formulaic at the time. Oh, the the show's starting. Here comes a 20 minute promo. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with that. Formulaic is a good way to describe it. And and anytime you become too formulaic in wrestling, uh, it, it essentially becomes a kiss of death. It just doesn't work well, but he, he, there are capsules, there are highlights, sound bites of this promo that he just finally finished and he's leaving. Uh, that, uh, will be great in a video package. Yes, sir. But, but the whole thing in total in mass, if you will, uh, a little long, you know, I'm sure if you, if I'm sure if you ask him today, he'd probably say the same thing. It's just fascinating to me that raw is one of the only times in wrestling where, or I guess maybe the first show where the promos were longer than the matches, because we would get, you know one and two and three and four minute matches, but 20 minute promos, a 20 minute match on raw in this era was a special thing, but a 20 minute promo was just, well, Monday. <laughs> well, the, uh, we were promoting the six man tag again, our featured match of the night, which uh, got a smaller quarter hour rating than my get kicked in the ball segment, but let's not break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. And then we got uh, Victoria and Trish coming up here for the women's title. Uh, yes. Victoria starts out as one of the Godfather's hoes and Trish. I remember meeting with her in my, uh, in my office as well. It's pretty was, remarkable. Was, both of their, their stories, you know, two totally different ways of, of getting into the promotion. But once they're here, they prove themselves to be very capable in ring performers, two of the best from this era for sure. Absolutely. I think Trish are trained a lot by, uh, up there in Toronto by Ron Hutchison. Uh, Ron's a big, uh, supporter of the cauliflower alley club, which is, I know you and I are as well. Cauliflower alley club.org. If you want to help out, uh, 
Uh, it's a total non total nonprofit, and uh, but Trish was trained by Ron, I believe, a, a lot. Others probably helped as well. Uh, and then I think Carl DeMarco kind of turned me on to her. Carl DeMarco was president of WWE Canada office there in Toronto, and Trish is from Ontario. The champ so is out I, first. Victoria out second. That's a little unique, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just, it's a theater presentation. I would have done it. You know, that's not my cup of tea, but, uh, that was for, for presentation sake. You just had a heel promo. So you come back with a baby face entrance. There you go. I think that's part of the logic behind that deal. And then, uh, Victoria and, and Trish always work well together. They start off very aggressively and, uh, I, I thought they did a good job. This, these two women are among a small handful that uh, really led to what we're seeing now in a lot of women's wrestling. Athletic, sexy, you know, uh, athletic tens, as Vince used to say, JR, JR, ah, get, I want tens. And I wanted athletes. So you, you, you just try to find that combination as best you can. And that's what we found here with these ladies. My both goodness. of them are athletic and both of them, that back record right there was, that's a nice move for any gender, quite frankly. And it stopped Trish's momentum. So now the heel can build heat as this match is strategized and put the champion in jeopardy. The heart, that suplex was hard. That was, a, that was a very well done suplex. Victoria was, uh, Lisa M Marie Verone was very, she's very strong, very athletic and, uh, very conscientious, but Trish was, a, was special as well. She was just really special. The referee here, the former WCW Mickey J they're going to refer to him as Mickey Henson here. Oh, Victoria with the overhead press here. I, um, I always enjoyed Mickey J's work in WCW. what do you think of Mickey as a referee? He's a good referee. Yeah. Good referee. He lost art. There's not, there's not an overabundance right now of great, uh, pro wrestling referees. I think, uh, it's a thankless job by and sure. large. And now Victoria looking for a kind of a modified Boston crab and trying to get a submission win for the title and look at the referee right face to face with Trisha. She wants to give up and Trisha had great facial expressions. And yes, folks, some of us did look at her face occasionally. Trish was always, was another one that kept reinventing herself yep. as far as her wardrobe was concerned, move sets, things like that. Uh, oh, wow. Big spine buster there from Trish. The spine on the pine. Well, the by the way, buster. the, uh, the stipulations here are that Candace, Michelle and Tori Wilson are both banned from ringside. By the way, uh. I think you'll see why we're calling Mickey J Mickey Henson here. I believe in a moment, we're going to see the debut of Mickey James. Yeah. She was another, she's still great. One of my all time favorite, uh, performers, not just female, but uh, performers period is, uh, Mickey James really underrated in ring. Now she's one of the, the veterans that can help forward the careers of all these young girls. What a move there, man. Setting up the Boston crab off the ropes in the corner and now walking her out. This is good stuff, man. Good, solid match, athletic match. It wasn't TNA. 
it was a really a, a well uh, executed contest. And then there's a little counter, nicely done too. And then you see Trish in her baby face stance, big couple of big kicks. But then the bigger, stronger villain reasserts herself. And we start over with uh, the heat until the counter. There it is. Trish picks up the wind, and we're going to have some fireworks afterwards, I believe. Chat me up here. Would this have still been uh, a Fit Finley match? Was Fit Finley even the agent here in 05, or would that have been somebody else here? I hired Fit uh, before that. Yeah, I, I would, if I'm guessing, Conrad, I would say this is a Fit Finley production. And, uh, so now we have, uh, guess who? Yeah. Ashley Mazzaro, who's, uh, sadly, tragically no longer with us. She's here and Victoria's, uh, not too happy about that. She's going to pick up the world title and look at there, look at there, the debuting Mickey James and they're even saying, Hey, who is that? Great punches. Yeah, that was a, she, Mickey did it. Just, she has so much fire and passion. Throwing, throwing some wood. Mickey's got wood. Oh man. What a bump by Victoria there. Yeah, these, these ladies have made me proud much more often than not. They really wanted to get better. They wanted to improve their game. And quite frankly, many of them worked harder, uh, than the guys did to ch- continue to evolve. Great facials by Trish. You know, when I hired Trish, I thought she looked like Pamela Anderson and, and they had that commonality of being Canadian, you know, Pam Anderson, Vancouver, we lot lauded Vancouver on the show. I love that city. And then Trish from Toronto, but she's so well, fundamentally sound, all good <laughs> stuff. And now we get the, uh, the bumper here who gets fired and a picture of Vince. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. This is it tickled me at the very beginning of the show, the recap package. <laughs> well, guess who Corpus Christi, Texas, any good memories there? What's your favorite? Cause clearly it's not this show. Do you have a favorite? Yeah. Whataburger. <laughs> There's a Whataburger on the way back to the hotel. There you it's go. A nice town. It was a nice town, you know, small, very passionate, a good wrestling town, Corpus Christi. You know, they had a great uh, Latino heritage. Uh, and the, the history of, uh, great, uh, Hispanic wrestlers in, in Corpus and the fans are very passionate. That's why you always try to have, if you could, uh, a Latino star on the, uh, on the show when you, when you came to Corpus. As a reminder, they're plugging taboo Tuesday, which is going to air on November 1st. This is on October 10th. So we got a few weeks, but here's Mickey James. Okay. Mickey James. Why do I know that name? Mickey James? Mickey, yeah, I'm like your biggest fan. I mean, I, I've written you like a gazillion times. I don't. I know you don't have time to write me back. It's okay. You're very busy. I mean, you're yeah. the women's champion. I mean, right. you know, but I, it's super nice to meet you. I mean, I idolize you. I love you, Trish. Oh, I mean, I, I want to be just like oh, you. Right, That's thanks. awesome. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what the hell was Tell the truth, Jim. Is that how Alex Marvez is at Dynamite backstage? Pretty much. <laughs> He just, he just, he he doesn't have the, uh, uh, peculiar, uh, development. Okay. Here comes Carlito. I I don't know that you heard this, but 
gosh, it's been a few months now. Uh, Eric Bischoff went on a rant about Alex Marvez only to realize he was really upset with Brian Alvarez, not Alex Marvez. And so then he had to, uh, apologize and fix it. And when Eric came down to do dynamite with y'all, he actually got to meet Alex and say, I am so sorry. I, uh, was confused by the names. I know your stuff and liked your stuff. My apologies. It was just so great that he confused and then just buried him for several minutes. And I'm like, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Marvez. And no, oh, he's good. Mar- Alex. Good guy. Great guy. Uh, yeah. Alex is fine. Real good. He's a hell of a football guy. Boy, he's, he's big time, big league in the NFL on Sirius XM. And, uh, so now we're going to have our, uh, six our, man tags, uh, six man main event. Now here's the thing. So you guess what's going to close the show. Kicking JR in the balls. That's it, baby. My balls were over. <laughs> we should give everybody a time code here. I'm at 5806.0708. We just see Kurt Angle step through the ropes here. Got the mouthpiece in like he likes it. Did you see his uh, Broken Skull sessions with Steve Austin on the network yet? I haven't seen it yet, but I heard it was very good. It is good. I, uh, I love, I've, I've certainly developed a greater appreciation for Kurt Angle in more recent years. As we go back together and watch some of this stuff, I think he's criminally underrated. I don't know why he's never in the Mount Rushmore conversation, but it does feel like no matter where they put him, he, uh, he made an impact and we see a limo pulling up in the backstage area. You know what that means? Let's try yes. it. How about that little billboard on the way to the break? Someone will be fired. It'll be me. Stay tuned. <laughs> hey, look, if I didn't want to, if I didn't, if I didn't care about the product, if I wasn't a team player, Conrad, do you think I would have sold it as fervently as I did? No, of course not. Anybody, well, JR didn't want to do this. And JR didn't want to do that. And JR's hard. Come on, go fuck yourself. How's that? How's that? Is that explicit enough for you? Of course I did. I, I was a team guy. Did I want to do it? No. Cause I knew that I was getting, I was getting featured. I, that was, this was more than just a t- an angle on television. This is me. This is it. So, you know, and, and of course it wasn't it because two years later I got in the hall of fame. Figure that whole crazy ass journey that we outlined very vividly and under the black hat at JR's barbecue.com. That whole era here was really explained. I think, uh, well, at least that's what my take on it. Yeah. A lot of folks thought as well, just as you did as big show makes his way to the ring. Uh, but man, I, I, uh, it was just an up and down deal. It was, it was like a, I was on an emotional roller coaster because the reality of losing your job was just that it was reality. It was real. So it, it is pretty remarkable when you think about that, you know, just a few weeks prior to this is when Vince is trying to pull off that coup to get Mike Goldberg over. And it doesn't work, but the idea was, Hey, he'll come over and take Jr's job. But even when he doesn't come over, well, that's okay. We're still just going to get rid of Jr. I don't understand the thinking and clearly the fans didn't, which is why you were back and they always find a way to get you back. But to your point, you go in great detail about not only what was happening on camera, but what was happening in the office and more importantly at home. 
and how it affected you and Jan and your kids and the whole deal. So pick up the book. If you haven't already, jrsbbq.com. I think it's still, you know, maybe it's not the best wrestling book ever, but no one will argue it's not top three. I know we've got a lot of diehard Bret Hart fans who think that that's the best. And certainly a lot of Mick Foley fans who think that his yep. first book is the best, but I've never heard anyone disagree that it's not in that same company. So even if you do, you know, bleed pink or, you know, floss with barbed wire, this is going to be a top three book for you at jrsbbq.com. Yeah, I appreciate that Conrad. I, we're, I think it's going to be a great Christmas, a holiday gift item because I can personalize it. So if you got, if you're a wrestling fan, you got a wrestling fan, in your family, you're a brother, a displaced fan, a family member, a buddy, whatever it may be, uh, that's a, it's a, it's a good Christmas gift. And again, it's 40 bucks and it's down, uh, it's free shipping in the lower in the continental USA is Cena and Ed started out here with a lot of, uh, piss and vinegar. Mike Kyoto is a referee. We saw Mike Kyoto not too long ago in AEW. Hope he'll be back. He's a hell of a referee. By the way, did you see uh big show come back on pay-per-view a few weeks ago? Uh, I saw clips of it. Yes. I, I really enjoyed the, his return, but I saw online and, and this has been the case for several years now. A lot of fans take issue with the number of times that big show has been a heel and then a baby face, the number of turns, if you will. Yeah. And you compare and contrast that with guys like sting or steamboat who seemingly were, you know, one way or the other, their entire career. And of course I know there are exceptions. But still, do you think they did that too much? They went to the well yeah. too many times with Big Show? Absolutely. <clears throat> I think he was overexposed on television to be a special attraction, an Andre-like character. And, and, I, and I think that uh, he, his, his identity switched too many times. His casting, i.e. booking, changed too many times. I don't think that did the, the big fella any favors. I will say this. I thought you were going to talk about his conditioning. Uh, he's lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Here current lately. He looks really good. So now the old, here's the old Andre spot, three guys in the corner, three Irish whips, the big man gets across the ring and here he comes. He might've waited a little too long there. Let's go big boy. Come on. They ain't going to sit there forever. And then he smashes them in the corner. All three take bumps. All three roll outside and big show gets his moment in the match. And the fans love it. I got to tell you, I, uh, I like the, the booking of, of doing the six man tag whenever we've got some sort of heated issue or hot issue between multiple guys, the way to sort of build towards the pay-per-view is, well, let's all throw them in there together and continue to further the storyline. And we're trying to figure out here, who's going to get a title shot for taboo Tuesday. And since we do know it's going to be a fan vote, we've got to have several guys be kept quote unquote strong. So this simple, but fundamental booking philosophy of sticking them together was tried and true in WWE on the way to a pay-per-view. Yeah, it was, you know, just moments ago, we saw Kurt deliver a European uppercut, the forearm shiver. And he got that from Dory jr. In the warehouse there at 120 Hamilton, Dory jr. And Tom Pritchard did a phenomenal job helping train all pretty much all these guys. They trained them how to wrestle. They trained them how to tell stories. They didn't train them how to do 450 slashes. Not there's anything wrong with 450 slashes, but I think some of that stuff is over overdone. 
You know, I, I, I cringe when I see so many spots where you get this cluster of talents bunched on the outside, conveniently all standing together, even friends and foes are standing together without any animosity, apparently, so that the other guy can, can leap over the top rope and, and dive on them. Nobody ever gets beat in that manner, certainly, right. but still it's a spot that's used too much. And so when people hear me talk about all the flips and flops, I'm not against them. I'm not against them. I just think they should be used more judiciously where they can be kept special. And right now within our business, Conrad, it's, it's everyday fair. It's, it's like a headlock. You see them all the time. So then they're consequently, unless they're done at the right time, the right people, right moment, everything, uh, they're just, it's just another spot. So now Sean Michaels gets the hot tag. And of course he's going to come in and do his thing and notice who's in there to take the bumps, Carlito. Carlito had a, took a backdrop earlier. That was un- unbelievable. Michaels does his flying forearm. He nips up and then he's, he's nailing whatever's uh, standing around. There's a, there's a movie you don't see much anymore. The old inverted atomic drop, the atomic drop, the other side, not the inverted side, but the other, the, the traditional side it used to be a great finish. A lot of guys use it as a finish. There was even this past summer. I don't know if you saw it, but there was a, uh, a whole Twitter account dedicated to Rick rude selling atomic drops. And it was tremendous. Yeah. He did. A great, he did a great job with that. He made the whole mean something. Yeah. There's the, uh, macho man elbow off the top from HBK. He's got the crowd right where he wants him. How, what a great showman he was and still is a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And he's got the crowd right in the palm of his hand. Thinking sweet chin music. Of course, old Carlito there is uh, the, uh, the suspected victim here momentarily, but Carlito crawling to the corner, distancing himself from uh, Sean was pretty smart. Then Kurt comes in, cuts off Sean. Kurt rolls out. Referee Mike Kyoto didn't see it. Michael selling. Good match here. That's how you shut down the baby face heat. You, you, get, you gain an unfair advantage. Now, Carlito's just crawling, laying on top of Sean. And, uh, Carlito no, in no real good shape to pin, but, uh, he got a false finish out of it and put the jeopardy on Shawn Michaels. And then now tags in Kurt angle. And this is the match that I, uh, like you just talked about earlier, Conrad, the great chemistry with, with HBK and Kurt, yep. uh, just was, it resonated off the screen. Mike Kyoto's on the right side on this break. Most times referees would be on the left side because wrestlers are right-handed. See where that right hand Kurt's throwing the right hand yep. right by Kyoto's chin is a, as a referee and you're wrestling with a, a refereeing a match with a guy with the right hand. What a suplex. Uh, now Kurt going for the cover. You want to be on the opposite side of the, of the dominant hand. Little things. It's amazing that Kurt angle could do anything to anybody in this match <laughs> physically. Yeah. yeah. Not one person this match could counter what Kurt Angle could do to you. He just jerked Shawn Michaels down, put him right where he wanted, and got him in a, in a body scissors. This is probably where I used my Joe Stecker line, the old time wrestler who used to go to these towns, these carnival tours, and he'd get sacks of feed, 100 pound sacks of feed, livestock feed. Then he'd put the livestock feed, the sack in a, in a, in a body scissors, squeeze it so hard it would break the bag. It's a true story. Because you get pictures in the newspaper. There was no radio or television right. in that era. So the newspaper was it. So now Sean's fighting out. Oh, you got that mount position, the old USC th- term. 
we're using a lot more of those terms now, you know, risk control, things of that nature. Do you like that? The way that, you know, the lines have become a little more blurred with MMA and pro wrestling. No problem with it. If it's done again in a, in a timingly in a good time, no problem. No. And you're seeing also with, with the advent and the proliferation of success of USC, for example, you're seeing a lot of guys uh, win matches by submission. And in the old days, baby faces never lost by submission because it was looked to be weak. It's not looked to, to be weak anymore. So for that reason, I, I do like it because it's real. I did too. Sean fights back up from a rear chin lock, making the rear chin lock has some significance, not a quote unquote rest hold that rest holds pet peeve of mine. I'm not a big, I don't use rest hold a lot in, in a normal conversation. And Kurt goes right back to what brought him to the dance, belly to belly overhead suplex goes for the cover right away and Cena in to break it up. I like the interaction with the referee and, uh, and Cena referee showing authority referees now are largely props. Unfortunately, they should be silent. They should be almost invisible, but they have to be pr- present Right, and, uh, and, and they have to have show some authority so that the, you can maintain some semblance of order in the rules. And the reason I harp on that a lot is because if the heels don't have any rules to break. Then why are they healed? Exactly. There gotta be those things. So now you get Carlito back in Carlito matching up with Sean Carlito being a Southpaw, as you can see, this is those moments where you, you look at Carlito and say, damn, this kid could be really good. Yeah. Really, really good. I can tell you this, that he was probably one of the more popular guys in the, uh, in the ladies locker, locker room, room. Yeah. ladies locker room <laughs> going for a cover nicely done. So this is the thing that would frustrate maybe Vance and others, uh, and myself at times that this kid could be so good. Why isn't he good every night? And it all depends on the motivation. I mentioned this earlier, Carlito seemingly, and I might be wrong here. Hell, this is my opinion, folks. That's all he wrestled to the level of his opponent. Yeah. He, he's in there now with guys or Sean specifically now, but you know, and now you're seeing the best of him, right? He's doing a good job. He's, he's being aggressive. He's being that kind of a chicken shit heel. And so we'll see. And then the key thing is, can Carlito feed a comeback? You damn right. He can beautiful drop kick by Carlito. Michael's kicking out about two and a half, which he, he was very proficient at made you think that he was getting beat. Did it real nicely. This right here is for Car- Carlito grabs the rear chin lock. I would say there, there, there could have been a better choice of holes, right? Now he's got him in a sleeper hold. Carlito's got, I'm using pronouns here. God damn it. You know, pronouns, uh, but he's just wearing Sean down. We have to make a story out of it, but Sean now turning into Carlito, releasing some of the pressure so that he can get some offense. Sean's trying to make a tag to senior big show. And he's in that part of the corner, that part of the ring, I should say. What do you think is, um, I mean, you know, I know you're not there, so you'd just be guessing, but it's hard for me to watch this and not think about Mike Kyoto. The guy starts with the company in 89. We're talking when macho man was champ. 
fast forward to 2020 and he's unceremoniously let go. And I think he'd been on the sidelines for a little bit with an injury, but still, I don't know. It just feels weird to me that after all that time, there's no spot for Kyoto. Father time, man. Father time is the enemy of all television performers. And boy, do I know that well. So now edge and Kurt are caught and Carlito gets kicked in the face caught by big show who just double close line, the, the two, uh, baby or two heels that Kurt could feed a comeback, man. God almighty. How great was Kurt angle. So Cena wants to attack Cena. So animated. This is what got Cena over Cena's faceless were just un- unbelievably good. Yeah. All excitement, passion, emotion, the fan, give the fans something to, he gave them something to participate in that, that you can't see me thing. Yeah. And the fist drop now is, uh, going for a cover, got a near fall out a really, really close near fall as old Kurt was taking a page out of HBK's book and kicking out a two and a half, which just added the drama of the fans. You can see the fans in the background folks are standing, you know, they're, they're into this thing. It's just too bad that they're not in the main event. <clears throat> Edge. Man, how good is Adam Copeland? Still is, man. Really, really good. So Cena now got Cena up on his shoulders, or uh, Kurt up on his shoulders. But uh, it just seems to be that you always find Carlito in some of these key moments as Kurt catches the Cena in, a, in an ankle lock. Cena. Think he's going to tap. He reverses it. Nice counter. And then gets Kurt in the ankle lock only because Kurt let him <laughs> look at this cradle. And can you believe it? Kurt angle just pinned John Cena. Cena can't believe he's incredulous that he got countered and he just got out wrestled basically. So it's one of those situations where the heel wins, but he didn't cheat to win. Right. He out wrestled him to win. And now if you let the heel brag about, I out wrestled your champion, I'm going to be the champion. Then it really reaffirms the fact that he's going to be a heel as they did a little replay here. This is a nice sequence, Conrad. Yes, it is. The reversal by Cena into the ankle lock and then watch Kurt figure out a, a counter just flipped on his, on his back, both legs restrained. Boom. One, two, three. So Kurt angle comes out as a shining star heading into taboo Tuesday, because he just pinned the champ. That's good booking in my view. Great booking. And it's a fun match. You know, I mean, these guys have natural chemistry together and you know, that there's a lot of believability and credibility with angle. And of course, seeing as your champ and we're doing a reset here. Let's see what you're saying. We're amazing. Through the roof. Thank you. Biggest, the highest rated show in years for Monday Night Raw. It's so great to be back on USA Network. And you know you can only get a main event like that right here on USA. Nowhere else. Ladies and gentlemen, earlier tonight, Stephanie McMahon certainly made her presence felt. Go to commercial. What's your name? That was our Mark stage manager, Mark Eaton, right you? there. And all he was trying to do was uh, deliver a message from the truck. She snapped the taste out of his mouth, and then Lillian Garcia got some. Uh, Lillian really didn't do anything other than sit there. But Stephanie clearly, clearly trying to send a message to everybody. She shoved the cameraman down, even. My father is on his way to this arena right now, and somebody 
Man, oh man. Well, does WWE man meaning business? And so does this man right here. Mr. McMahon is on his way to the ring. Somebody's going to get fired next. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny, but somebody's going to get fired next. Yeah, that's coach. We see a little vignette here. Uh, telling us that Kane will be back next week. He is going to win the uh, Royal rumble or the battle Royal rather, uh, the following week. Um, what a class act Glenn Jacobs is. Oh, for sure. The, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee as honorable and honest, a man that I ever work with I, of all the great signees that we were fortunate enough to make, uh, he's right there at the top of the list He's exactly what you want in a pro wrestler. I want to Reliability. mention that, uh, you took to WWE.com to address this angle. We're about to see you wrote, I would say my firing is egotistically driven. Vince is hell bent on having a fresh new face that hasn't had Bell's palsy or have a Southern accent sitting in the chair on raw. This company is like any other entertainment company. You put looks and youth over skill and experience almost every time. I think this was a cop out. I think he just wanted a new voice for raw. And I think he quite frankly, didn't think Jr. would have become as popular as he did. It certainly wasn't Vince's plan. He's out of touch. He hasn't been in the grocery store since George Bush senior was the president. Here's a guy that takes a limo to get his hair cut every week. And he's trying to tell me about reality. And you would also write, this will be my lasting memory. And I don't believe that to be fair. I will take some time to get over it, but I don't want people to feel sorry for me. Maybe they'll get a nice, fresh face, pretty boy that doesn't know a wristwatch from a wrist lock. WWE's reputation for finding star announcing talent over recent years hasn't exactly been sterling. Well, there you go. I, I shouldn't probably said any of that. It didn't do me any favors. Just being honest, you know, just shut the fuck up. Jr. God, yeah, here he is doing the gravelly voice, talking about Steve Austin, and we're going to get around to it. But as you know, from us sort of alluding to it, we're going to see more of the McMahons here. Stephanie's going to be involved. Even Linda's going to be here. And, uh, I guess in theory, this is supposed to be the end of the JR era. And he even says something in here that there's a reason JR's eyes are brown. And they're going to show a video of your most embarrassing moments here. When this is happening is Jan, you know, since this is in Texas and, and you guys are from Oklahoma at the time, or I guess you just bought a place down there. Is she on the road with you? Is she here for this? Or is she watching at home? Oh, she's watching here at home in this very house I'm sitting in right now. No, she didn't come on the road much. She went to pay-per-views, you know, WrestleMania all the good stuff. But this was a, you know, regular Monday night gig and, you know, she watched it at home, but she watched every second at home. You know, she called me, she, we talked after every show and she was, her voice is cracking and why do they do that to you? And all these, uh, honey, hell, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. Right. I have no answer. I just didn't fit the look that he wanted at that point in time. And, uh, I never thought, I never heard too many fans complain about my quote unquote look. I know it, it, it was what it was. I know it, it was just what it was. And I, and I, there was nothing we could do about it. So I, I learned long ago, you can't overthink things 
an over and over worry about things, Conrad, that you cannot control. Right. That's like worrying about the weather. You can be concerned about it, be prepared for bad weather, but there ain't a damn thing you can do about it, but in, but write it out. Well, I'm, uh, I'm glad we get to sort of go through this and, and watch it together, but this is going to be a little weird. Let's track some of this. Austin for what he did. It's sort of a twisted sort of a way, but I'm not going to blame Austin and I'm not even going to fire stone cold. At least not yet. So the question is what person or persons really are to blame for that incident last week? I would suggest to you that would be the person or persons who enjoyed it the most. That's right. I blame each and every one of you for what happened to me and my family last week. Every damn one of you are to blame because you're the kind of people that encourage the stone cold Steve Austin to the world. Sounds like Donald Trump. You caused him to do what he did to me and my family. So as a result of that, and as a businessman, this is what I want. I want each and every one of you tonight here in this arena, I want everybody all over the state of Texas, everybody all over North America, the world for that matter, I want you to consider yourself an employee of WWE. That's right. Tonight, tonight I want to hire every damn one of you, every one of you, I want to hire, I want you to work for me. Yeah, I do. Just so I can say, from the bottom of my heart, you're fired. What? Fired everyone. It's a lot of people. Notice I'm laying out. You're damn right. Each and every one of you are fired. Everybody at home? Right now? There were. There were three individuals that were as close to the action last week. Shut up when I'm talking. Yeah, shut up, we're all fired. There were. I believe that's an asshole team. <laughs> there were three individuals as close to what happened last week as any of you around ringside. And I'm not asking, I'm demanding they come down here right now. And that would be you three sons of bitches sitting right there. Coach, King, JR, get up and get in here now. I'm not asking you, get up. Take your damn headsets off. Take that black hat, hat off, nobody gives a damn. Nobody cares what you say when I'm out here anyhow. They don't want to listen to you. They want to listen to me. Come on, get down here. I don't have all night. 
I like the coach picked up the pace when he said, I don't have all night. Right there. Right there's your mark. That's your spot. King, you're next. Get in here. Stand next to Coach King. Get right there. Now, let me just lay it out for you, okay? Last week, I'm in this ring with my family. You guys are up there calling your action, okay? I get stunned. What do you do? Not a damn thing. Okay, all right. I'm a big guy. I'm a rugged son of a bitch. I can take care of myself, right? You damn right I can. My, my son gets, gets stunned, okay? Even tougher than me, he can handle that. And then you three sit on your ass up there while my precious daughter Stephanie gets stunned by Stone Cold and don't do a damn thing. How do you feel about that, huh? Then on top of that, the one individual that I'm totally devoted to, the one individual that means the most to me in my entire life, my wonderful wife, Linda. My God, I worship the ground that woman walks on. She gets stunned. And what do you do? What do you do, huh? What do you do? Not a damn thing. Not a damn thing. You all three should be ashamed of yourselves. I'm ashamed for you. So now then, I want an apology for the three of you doing nothing. And by the way, not that your jobs depend on any of this, but your jobs depend on the answer, okay? Just for the record. Coach, are you man enough to apologize to me and my family? Don't touch that microphone. Mr. McMahon, I, I am so sorry for what happened to you last week. <laughs> I can admit it. I'm a coward. I, w- I wish now I would have done something, but I'm not it. And I'll never be as brave as you are. Sir, you are an inspiration. And I thank God that you're all right. I'll accept that apology. You're dismissed. Coach was great right there. Yeah, he did good. You apologize to me and my family or not? Well, I I know what it's like to be stunned by Steve Austin, and it's certainly no fun. So if apologizing to you, Mr. McMahon, means keeping my job, then I'm truly sorry. I'll accept your apology. Thank you very much. Go back up to your broadcasting. Uh Uh-oh. My turn. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the crowd. They know. If it isn't Stone Cold's best friend, JR. You'd apologize to me, JR, huh? You love your job, JR, huh? What's the story? Yes or no? 
I'm really sorry that your wife got stunned. Well, that's just not good enough for me. Good old JR. Looks like I'm going to have myself some fun here in a minute. Uh, you don't give a damn about these people. You don't give a damn about communicating with them each and every week, do you, huh? So therefore, you don't give a damn about your job. Is that what you're telling me? I love these people, and I love them more. They're just like my family. And I'm still sorry that your wife got stunned. I want an apology. I apologize. All right, JR's apologizing. You know what, JR, accept your apology. Thank you very much. Go on and back up there. Wait, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I just thought of something. I accept your apology, but you know what? I'm not so sure that's good enough. Uh, I want you to apologize to my kids. They're both here. So you can apologize to this person coming right down here. My precious baby girl, Stephanie. Come on down and get your apology, Steph. Come on. Conrad knows I'm wearing that Louis Vuitton tie. Very, very uncomfortable right now. Was that a Jan special? Yeah, Jan dressed me. Well, it's hard did, to dress fat guys. She did a better job dressing you than uh, Lois did dressing Tony. Let me just give her that. <laughs> My daughter, Stephanie McMahon. Classic heel wall, classic like heel body. When I spit I don't know if you and I are in the It's okay. I like that lipstick. It's all right. So, Steph, you want to ask your question? JR, apologize to me. You people shut your mouth now. I'm about to get another apology. I'm not asking you to get on your hands and knees, although that may be the next step. Go ahead, Steph. I got an apology. I'm sure you will, too. Actually, the floor is JR's. Apologize or get fired. I said it once. I'm sorry your mama got stunned. It's like I don't have any other choice, Dad. Oh, oh, oh no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on, JR, hang on. Before you, oh, hang on now, easy. Uh, I know, like your head's spinning. There's somebody else who's gonna come down and expect an apology. That's my son, Shane. I'm gonna ask him to stand up right there on that turnbuckle on the top rope, and he's gonna come off and plant an elbow squarely right in to your black heart. Shane, come on out. Wow, this is too much. Come on, son. So this is really the first episode, I think, where Stephanie's running around slapping people, right? I don't remember, but she did a good, she got a lot of them in tonight. And now instead of it being Shane, here comes Linda McMahon. And, uh, I don't think Vince and Stephanie were exactly ready for this. I don't think Linda was either, quite frankly, this is what she, our conversation earlier in the day. What was that conversation like? Well, she just, I'm sorry we're doing this and I didn't want to get involved and you know, it's what Vince wants and you know how that goes. I said, I sure do. Don't worry about it. You're just doing your job. I wasn't expecting you tonight. I mean, respecting Shane, but my God, you look lovely tonight. And, but this is really no place for you. 
Steph and I have got this. I mean, there's no reason for you to get your hands dirty. We, we've got this, okay? Well, Vince, as your devoted wife, and Steph, as your mother, I just simply cannot let the two of you continue this way. Last week, when we returned to USA Network, it was a wonderful opportunity for a new beginning for the entire McMahon family. It was a chance for a clean slate. The only way to garner respect from people is not Vince by yelling and screaming, or Steph by pitching a fit. It, it's by taking action. I'm still selling my cheek. Uh-oh. So, JR, on behalf of the entire McMahon family, you're fired. This is the last segment on the fucking show. Yeah. You're fired. Main event, baby. You heard it. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> no chance. I don't, I don't do, do not, I don't. My wife, Linda McMahon. My daughter, Stephanie McMahon. My son, Shane McMahon. My God. <laughs> I never thought I would say anything like this. This is unbelievable. I really, I really don't know what to say. JR is fired. Not only did Linda McMahon fire JR, look at this exclamation point she put on it. Well, I, have, I don't know what to say. And the show goes off the air. With you on the ground, holding yourself and Vince doing his best rocket impression. And now this famously builds to a world title match for you next week. No. So it must mean you're going to be back and headline the paper. No. <laughs> what the fuck was this man? Like, I don't, is this just Vince being mean spirited and getting his jollies off? Like, I don't, I don't get this rationale or line of thinking at all. Like normally I would think that the last segment on raw is going to be something that builds to a big pay-per-view opportunity, but that's not the case here. We remember when I came out of intensive care from my colon surgery, 
had 13 inches of my colon removed that had rotted and it just, you know, I was dying. I had 30 days to live quite frankly, uh, never did really ballyhoo that. But, uh, when I got out of uh, intensive care on a Monday, on a Monday, uh, and I got, came home, uh, that's when, uh, the, we, I closed the show again with Dr. Heine, where he pulled my head out of my ass again, never, no explanation, no rationale. It's just what he wanted to do. And so I, that's why I, I felt like, even though I did what I was instructed to do, I, I ran the play, the coach called, uh, I, I, I always felt like there was a little bit of personal animosity there. And I, I think part of it was because, you know, I wanted to move and I, I wanted to come back to Oklahoma. I was sick. I didn't tell Vince how sick I was. I didn't even tell Jan how sick I was, but when we got back to Oklahoma and I got examined, you know, the doctor said, man, we're getting you in the hospital when today. So I was in bad shape and didn't even really know it. I just know I was having these horrible stomach aches. Uh, so in, in any event that I, that was the second time a skit with Jr. closed the show. Uh, I think I closed the show a few other times, but because it, it, the fans gave a shit, they cared about me and I loved them for, I still love them for it. They still care about me. They watch every Wednesday night. That's why, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to be part of this team with AEW that they, cause Tony Khan doesn't have that same mindset. Uh, he respects my work. And I think Vince at some point just didn't respect my work and he wanted to make a change and he could certainly make a change arg argumentatively Conrad by saying, we're going to get younger. We'll get a new face. We'll get a new start. We're going to back on the new network, back on USA, not new, but you know, you know what I mean? And, uh, I never did understand that. So uh, that's what my, my angst was about on that deal. Was it really business or was it, or was there some personal seasoning, uh, you know, factored into that deal. And I, I am of the belief <clears throat> that there was some personal animosity involved in it and never knowing why, because I didn't do anything but work my ass off for the guy. We talked about the talents on this show who signed those guys, right? Vince, Vince didn't, I did because I had a great team, you know, we had a great team surrounding in talent relations. So, uh, it just was always a head scratcher. And got frustrating and, uh, it just, I still don't understand it to this day. Why, why that was there because, you know, I kept getting brought, I, I, he kept having to lick his calf. As they say in the country, he had to, he had to go back and re, re, restart things. And so then I think Hunter even fired me one time. So it got to be old. It got to be this, like a thing of those, uh, Tope El Suicidas. How many are you going to see before, before they start becoming special? Right. So that was kind of the deal there. I just thought it was kind of a personal thing and he enjoyed it. The writers, I think enjoyed presenting him with those type of opportunities because they knew he loved the, the misery that he could uh, inflict because I gave a damn to me. It just wasn't a job Conrad, just like it is today working for AEW. It's not just a job, uh, be honest with you. I, I done really well. Jan and I did great. We lived within our means. We saved our money. Yep. I don't, I don't need to work, but I love to work. It's not a job to me. It's my life with her gone and, and Tony Khan coming into the picture. It resurrected my career. It resurrected my spirit and all these years, uh, the, these type of situations. Here's what well, JR, come on. It's fake. It's just pro wrestling. You're right. 
it is a showbiz presentation. However, did it have to be done so in such a personal way, mixing reality with, uh, you know, when a guy gets out of intensive care and he, he you know, wasn't sure he's going to live and you're going to do a skit about it and not only do a skit, but close the show with it. Right. Is that really, shouldn't you be saying, Hey, JR, we're glad you're better. Uh, you know, keep healing or whatever, any, any, anything like that. No, nothing. It was just pull your head out of your ass. And I, I just thought that was uncalled for. We should mention that, uh, the next week, uh, that is when Vince cuts the promo that there's a reason JR's eyes are brown insinuating that you're full of shit. And he shows a video of your worst and most embarrassing moments. And it becomes a theme for the show. Uh, hurricane is even going to defend Jr. backstage. Vince is going to sick angle on him. Literally says sick him. Uh, Austin's going to show up drunk and he's going to rant about how unhappy he is with what happened to his friend. Jr. Uh, coach is now the lead announcer. He's going to continue that role until November 7th when Joey styles joins the team and he remains in that spot until may of 06. So this was not just a, a one week angle here. They really were trying to move in a different direction. So they're going to get some heat for this Mr. McMahon character. And of course, Stephanie and Linda by closing the show, shitting on the announcer, not selling pay-per-views, not selling live events. It's not like you and Vince were going to be in cage matches around the horn on the house show loop. Thank God. <laughs> this is just, uh, I don't know, man. It comes off as tacky and mean spirited and disrespectful. But in the old uh, guys of pro wrestling and ribbing on the square, you know, that's the wrestler's fallback in our, in our business. It's not a, it's not a very flattering fallback, quite frankly, where you can say something to somebody and then they can have their hand called on it. And they said, come on, man, it's just a work. Come on. You can't be, you can't think I'm serious. Well, yeah, I do think you're serious and I don't like it, but that never happened. That's the, that's the wrestler code. You always got that to fall back on. It's a chicken shit way out, quite frankly. Well, next week, we're going to talk about uh, a happier time in your life. We're going to go to October of 2000, the 22nd. In fact, Albany, New York at the Pepsi arena. It's no mercy from 2000 on top. We've got Kurt angle working with the rock in a no DQ match for the WWF championship. Chris Benoit in singles action against triple H. Uh, Los Conquistadors are going to take on the Hardy boys for the tag titles. That's pretty fun. Naked Midian is going to get a shot at the European title against William Regal, a no holds barred match with Rikishi and stone cold, Steve Austin. I did it for the rock right to censor taking on Billy Gunn and China. Chris Jericho is going to be in a steel cage match with X-Pac. The APA will team with Lita to take on test and Albert. And of course, Trish Stratus is with them as well. It's a mixed tag match. And then we've got the Dudley boys hosting a Dudley boys invitational tables match, which has Lowdown and too cool and Raven and Taz, uh, lots of moving parts. 2000 was an interesting year for the company. It felt like you had major momentum. 97 was better than 96. 98 was even better than 97. 99 was even better than 98. And 2000 might be the peak at the time. Uh, little did we know what's going to happen with WCW the following year. I'm looking forward to no mercy 2000 next week, Jim. How about you? Loaded card, a lot of great stars on it. Uh, you know, good, good. Everybody got a chance to, to, to shine got to be on the pay-per-view good stuff. 
but it really, the names you mentioned, it really tells you that it's going to be hard for this damn show to not be really, really strong because you give a lot of talents that are very, very skilled, the opportunity to show their wares. And I think that's always a good thing. You know, I, I say this all the time about talents have got to understand the, it's the, it's imperative. It's not an option that they must maximize their minutes. You know, I don't care if you're in a four minute match, a 10 minute match, a 30 minute match, whatever it may be, you're getting an opportunity on a, on a global stage to establish your brand and to, and to continue to make your brand stronger and more marketable. So maximizing one's minutes is imperative in, in the world that we uh, function in here in pro wrestling. I'm looking forward to next week. It's going to be a good show. Let's briefly run down what you can expect as we sort of round out the month here. Uh, I'm pretty excited because the following week is a guilty pleasure show of mine that I've always loved. Halloween havoc, 1990, the Steiners absolutely tear it up with the nasty boys. We've got, uh, Sid in action. And of course we've got sting defending, uh, the, the world title. Barry Windham's going to make an interesting cameo. The horsemen are in a tag, lots of good stuff on that show. For November, we've got some really big stuff coming your way. Cyber Slam, or I'm sorry, Cyber Sunday, 2006, Clash of the Champions, 13, Survivor Series, 2000, Starcade, 87. We've got lots of fun stuff coming up. Of course, you can get all these shows early and ad-free with a whole bunch of other bonus content, including live Zoom calls with Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone and Eric Bischoff and Aaron Anderson. We're just having a lot of fun at adfreeshows.com. Hope you'll take a look. You've got the incredible video series that fans are really behind. I don't know that we've talked about this much, JR, but fans like the road series with you and Tony so much that we found people bootlegging it online. Can you believe that? Really? <laughs> well, thank Hey, you got to stop that. we got baby needs new shoes. Come on. <laughs> It'll help a brother out. Uh, Tony and I have so much fun when we're, we drive that. Those are taped from our drive from, uh, uh Jacksonville to Atlanta, to the airport. Tony takes me to the airport so that we can do these recordings. So it's about a four hour drive. So we talk about all kinds of things, but to this, to this point, we've never discussed what we're going to talk about. We just start shooting the breeze and one story leads to another story that segues to the next thing. And we just have so much fun doing it because it's just a free expression of our own creativity, our memories, our experiences and things of that nature. And ostensibly, at least we hope it's done for, to entertain you a lot of funny stuff, a lot of good stories, a little bit of philosophy here, there, and yon. Uh, and we talk about a lot of different talents, you know, our experiences with those, those men and women. So it's, it's a fun thing to do. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, I, I strongly suggest you check it out and, and please do it legally. Yeah. Go to ad free. Don't, don't be a bootlegger. <laughs> Adfreeshows.com is your hookup. All these shows early and ad free. Lots of interactive events, some swag bags coming your way. Lots of fun stuff. Don't miss it. And by the way, Jim, uh, I got to give a, an update. I got restocked in JR's all purpose seasoning and I used it this past weekend. It was a hit. I had the family over watching a little Alabama football and, uh, we loaded up some ribs the night before with the all purpose seasoning, let them sit in it overnight threw them on the smoker the next day. And I got the best rave reviews I've ever had for ribs. And I got to think it was the combination of your all purpose seasoning and then your sauce. And of course I picked it up at jrsbbq.com. And if you're listening, you can too, but this was a home run, man. What's the secret to this, 
this seasoning? Cause I bet this is good on stuff beyond just barbecue, right? Oh yeah. You know, we use it. Uh, I use it. We uh, Jan still with me in spirit. Uh, I use it on everything from popcorn to eggs, uh, to any protein on the grill, whether it be seafood, uh, you know, beef, chicken, whatever it may be. Uh, it's just my, the fellow that makes my beef jerky, every order of our beef jerky is made when we order it. It's not sitting in a warehouse someplace getting stale. So this fellow named Stan, Stan Brooks makes, he lives in, in Yukon has Stan smoke smokehouse there. So I went to pick up some jerky one day and I saw this big bag of, of seasoning and I said, Hey, Stan, what's this right here? Cause he wasn't really trying to sell it. It was just kind of sitting on the shelf. He said, well, that's the seasoning I used when in the sixties and the seventies, when I was on the road, uh, doing competitive barbecue cook-offs, uh, on the, on a national level, it won multiple national titles for Stan with that rub. So he gives me a bag. I bring it home. Jan and I start using it. We fall in love with it. So then I had the idea to talk to Stan about, well, look, you're not going to market this stuff. Could I private label it? And he, he was kind enough to go along with it. So, uh, that's where that, that's the ordinance to it. So it's got a great pedigree. I can't take credit for it nor will I, uh, but it's really a great product. It's and a matter of fact, Conrad, to make it even closer to your heart. Uh, we have it, uh, made in Alabama. Oh, how about that? Yeah, it's made in Alabama and, uh, that's where Stan had, had it made for years. So, uh, he, he just started focusing on his beef jerky business, which is keeping him extremely busy. So that's where the, the background of that comes from, but you can use it on a lot of things. If you, if you like to use salt and pepper, uh, or any other, you know, seasonings, you know, try our our seasoning and just use that once and see how you like it instead of the salt pepper and all the other combination of things it's a one stop it's a one hit deal so i i'm glad you liked it conrad and a lot of folks do you know we sometimes we have a hard time keeping it in stock i think we're in good shape now going into the holidays because it's a, we want to have a good holiday season on our website uh you know and i think uh all the science stuff that we do and the, and the sauces and the mustard's great and the ketchup and so forth and so on our original barbecue sauce is the number one seller with it, but the seasoning is right there in that conversation. It's developing its own following. So I guess we could say the seasoning is getting over. Well, the seasoning got over at my house and it got me over with my family. My mom absolutely loved it and was really after me to say, Hey, what'd you do different with the ribs this time? And I, I just acted like it was my own proprietary deal. It's a secret, <laughs> but what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to get her some from jrsbbq.com and give it to her for Christmas because yep. I think she's going to use it on everything. Like you're saying, my parents eat popcorn all the time. My mom cooks dad, dad eggs nearly every day. I know they're going to rock it that way, but man, around the grill, this stuff is hard to beat. Check it out for yourself. Don't take our word for it. Go to jrsbbq.com and don't forget. You can also get that book deal. We mentioned during the show. And, uh, if you enjoyed today's episode or a peek behind the curtain, you're going to love the book. You can get it personalized and there's tons of other great ideas. I know you guys are working on over at jrsbbq.com. You're going to have like the one-stop shop for stocking stuffers this year, man. I hope so. I hope so. And Connor, I want to leave the show with, uh, th this thought, you know, look, uh, did I ensure that creative that we talked about today? Not a whole heart, obviously not, uh, because it was more than just a piece of creative to close the show. It was a sign. It was to signify that you're done. 
And that really broke my heart to be done. I'm not ready to be done today. I wasn't ready to be done in 2005, 15 years ago, right? 15 years ago, that was the funeral for JR. And it just, it, it didn't take, but I want you to know folks that by no means am I asking for you to be empathetic or feel bad for JR. JR made a great living still is. Uh, I'm blessed to be in the pro wrestling business. I'm blessed that I've got fans that still give a damn. And so at the end of the day, my career has been a, a blessing. It's been more than I ever, ever, uh, thought it could be more than ever. And for when you start out to $125 a week working for driving a, the blind promoter leader McGurk and driving the cowboy around and, uh, rolling joints, whatever I had, whatever I needed to do to, to stay in the in good stead. Uh, I did, I paid my dues. So my career has been a blessing. So that was just a bad day at the office. Uh, I still believe it was a little personally oriented, but be that as it may, he's the boss. I took his money and I cast the checks just like old JD Ross would say, you're going to work for the man, do what the hell he wants you to do, earn your money. And I think on this show tonight, I earned my money. The facials were good. Okay. I, I sold the slap. You know, I took a bump on the slap, <laughs> took another, I took another bump on the nut shot. So, but that's just part of the, part of the presentation. I wanted to deliver the goods as a professional. I wanted to be professional. And so that's kind of that deal. So just don't, uh, don't, don't feel sorry for Jr. There's no reason to, I, I won't tolerate that. Just don't do it folks. Uh, I'm very blessed. Very happy. I'm really happy now with AEW, but I'm very happy that of how my career has gone and nobody's career is perfect. Nobody's career sails along. Everybody's very happy. There's all kinds of issues that happen that you just got to be a man or a woman, an adult professional and work through them. And that's what I've tried to do. And that's what I did with WWE. And, and eventually, you know, as, as you outlined, cause I'd forgotten some of that stuff. Uh, I came back. Yeah. I came back and had another nice little run and. And, you know, again, as I mentioned, uh, two years later, I went in the hall of fame with Lawler at WrestleMania 23, when the, the battle of the billionaires with Trump and McMahon's uh, angle. So I, I, it's, it's all, it's all been good at the end of the day. It's all been very good and I'm very blessed and thankful for it. And I want and I thank the fans for not only listening to our show and being loyal to us here, but also to, uh, for, for all the support all these years, including today on Wednesday nights on TNT. Could have said it better myself. I'm uh, so glad that we got to actually revisit this show and bring attention to some negativity, but also tell the positivity of how well it turned out for you on the other side. And, uh, we'll never know exactly what goes on between those ears of Vince McMahon's, but that's what makes this show so fun. And next week we'll get a deep dive on no mercy 2000 and then Halloween havoc, 1990, the hips just keep on coming here. Uh, we're glad that you guys are subscribed. Hope you're digging what we're doing. Tell a friend about your new favorite wrestling podcast, grill and Jr. And, uh, tell them to tune in next week, right here, or tell them to get it early over at adfreeshows.com. until next time. He is at Jr's BBQ. I am at, Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. Our show account is at Jr grilling on Twitter and we are out of time. We'll see you next week for no mercy. 2000 on grilling Jr. with the voice and my balls are over. His balls are over the original demo. God, the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross, heavy on the mister heavy baby. Hey everybody. This is Dan Bespris, host of fantasy NBA today 
a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day. Plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.